Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem, we will be starting Maseches Nedarim. So that means we're on Daf Bez, Amaral, for those of you keeping score at home, of Nedarim. Uh, as always, dedicated, as we marched through Shas, right, to Rav Chaim Zev, uh, Malinowitz Zatzal, um, to our dear, dear departed friend, Arya Wolf Zatzal, and Libadal Chaim Tovim Baruchim, so many great people to, to dedicate this to. Of course, our fearless leader, Andrew, who slept overnight because he has so many meetings. How, how can you have so many meetings they have to sleep overnight at 5.30 in the morning is, too, is not early enough? What, what goes on, Barry? And the other thing is Sandy. Sandy Nussbaum, who woke Barry up this morning because Barry and I are both jet lagged out of our minds. And so he, was, he managed to fall asleep, but she did not. And so she waited up till the hours of the morning to, to see five o'clock in order to wake Barry up for today. May she and the rest of the family be zocha to, to await uh, Mashiach and to see Mashiach, just like she got to see the morning hour and we be zocha to smachos together. To which I'll mention that Aaron Cohen, Barry's grandson, last night got engaged to Nechama Atensaza from Detroit. David, are you listening? So uh, he's learning in Lakewood. He's a Chashev Chasan, uh, as you could imagine, Chashev Kala as well. Nebizochah to build the Bais Neman Israel, filled with Torah and mitzvahs and joy. Okay, Nedar. <coughs> it's interesting. We're still in <coughs> Seder Nashim. And so um, what, what does that have to do with Nedar? As we've seen, right? Um, perhaps the, uh, one of the things is there is something very, um, there's something very fundamental about the husband, right? The, the idea of being able to control each other's nadarim, right? We know that a woman, her father can be mefer her nadarim. I guess we should take a step back even further than that. The whole idea of a nadar is a, is a chiddush in a sense, right? It's a fascinating idea. You know, a person makes a promise, we'll call it a nadar. We call it a vow. I don't think it's a really exact translation, but a person makes a vow, we'll call it, for the sake of just, you know, getting through this uh, description. And we'll see, we'll see the difference between a vow and a neder and a shvua. We will see that already today. But we already know a lot of the basics, right? That when, you, when a person makes, and, and, and they call a neder a vow and they call a shvua an oath, but basically this is the only case, and the Gemara will actually say it, this is the only case where you have the chefza gavra thing. So just on the most basic level is that when you make a nether, you say this chefza, this, this object is, right, is either us or to me, let's say, right? So for example, you say a certain object that heretofore is completely mutter to me, this Perrier seltzer bottle, and you say it's usher to me, and you make a nether. So that's a, what they call a chefza. That's on an object. So you've taken a mutter object and you've made it Actually, usher to you, min Torah, right? You're going to get malchus for this, right? If if you do so, all of a sudden, so that's the first chiddush on the most basic level of the whole thing, that you take something that really has no business being usher to you, and just by the verbalization, and it has to be verbalization, but we'll see. Even a partial ver- verbalization, it's the point of our mission, not one of the points. But the point is, just by verbalizing something, you've created, you've changed the status of that thing. That's what a nether can do. That in itself is a huge chiddush. You know, where did this come from? This idea, 
So I guess you could take a Musa from this and say the power of words, right? I mean, you could literally change the status of something just by the words that you articulate. So we should be very careful with our words indeed. And as we'll see, Chazal was very not into, right, the Nadarim in general. And we're just coming off the high holiday season where Kol Nidre and Nadarim and Hataras Nadarim are such a major part, right, of what's going on. And so it has to do with, um, I guess, we're making, we make uh, our word as bond, but in general, um, perhaps even on a more basic philosophical level, we make commitments, right? And we are committed to Avodah Hashem. And we verbalize those commitments, but as human beings, we often fall short of those commitments. We saw this a little bit at the end of Ksubis uh, with the Gemaras, with the Gedolim that went to Shemaim and how that, those Gemaras were explained by the Mefarshim having to do with making a commitment. I don't know if you remember, Barry, when you jumped to the other side, when, when, when uh, the Gedolim were jumping to the other side with the Malach HaMavis, right? The Gedolim that, that the Malach HaMavis didn't have Shlita on. Anyway, the point is that when you make a commitment, it is almost always going to be the case that you're going to fall short at some point of that commitment, which is why one of the reasons why Chazal did not like verbalizing uh, ironclad commitments. On, this, on the other hand, we do want to be able to be fully committed, right? So there's this interplay of where there's an expectation or at least a desire for us to be fully committed, but on the other hand, um, the understanding that even though you feel really motivated and you think that by verbalizing this full commitment, you're going to like lock yourself in, right? Like if you say, I'm gonna lose 40, you know what I mean? I'm gonna lose 40 pounds and you lock yourself in and by declaring it, now you have to live up to it. Or if you say, I'm gonna learn, I'm gonna teach Dafyomi every day. And so by declaring it, now you have people expecting you to do it. So, so you have to show up. And so it does help in some ways to right, verbalize your commitment. It certainly does. On the other hand, if you, if you fall short at some point, the idea is that when you make the Shavuah, and you don't have to say the Shem Hashem when you make the Neder and the Shavuah in order for the Shavuah to take hold. <coughs> Excuse me. When you make such a, a nether, we, uh, Chazal frowns on it, and they want you to be able to retract it in a process called hafaras nadarm, which we're going to discuss towards the end of the Masechta. We have 91 blot here. But towards the end of the Masechta, we'll talk about hafaras nadarm. The beginning of the Masechta really describes all the nadarm and the shavuos. So first of all, again, nadarm and are, are, are when you take an object and you can turn it into something usher, and the power of words is definitely highlighted by that. A shvua is when you take it upon yourself. That's called a gavra. So again, no objects are being changed. <clears throat> the classic chakira that the Mepharshim will explain, they'll say that only a doraisa has the power. If something is a doraisa, it has the power to do, be a neder because only a doraisa has the power to change something into something else. That's, only, that's like a Torah power. And by definition, anything that's midarabanan is going to be a a gavra thing, because it's one of those things where you haven't changed the reality of the world, Midarabanan, but the Rabbanan do have the power to modify our behavior and to change our relationship vis-a-vis said objects. And so we will get to all of that, but that's just by way of introduction what basically Nadarim are, right? It should be noted, the Pasuk, Lo Yachel Devaro Kechola Yotzemi Piv very important Pasuk. This is one category of a nether. Yeah. What does that have to do with the 
Because, okay, so Barry wants to know, how can you make a drink usher to you, Midar Raisa? The Torah doesn't mention Perrier anywhere. So how did this Perrier get into the, the, the Torah? So it's not the Perrier. It's your word. That's, that's exactly the Pasuk. You have to look at, right, Bamidbar, Perik, Lamid, Pasuk, Gimel. And the Pasuk says, Lo, what? Exactly. Your word becomes a deraisa bond. So there's all the mitzvahs deraisa, and then there's those things that you have by verbalization. Right? You can't, that, your word is bond. You can't desecrate that. So whatever you say, whatever comes out of your mouth, that's what you have to do. It becomes a chi of deraisa, all right, by virtue of your declaration. And again, uh, one, one aspect of the Raisa would be that you're makdish something, right? In other words, you say, I'm makdish this, right, to the base of Mikdash. It's hektish. It has a real implication, okay? Um, now you could say that's, that's kind of a, you know, that's the laws of hektish. That's, a, that's already, you know, I'm cheating because that, maybe that doesn't have to do with your word as bond. That just has to do with the process of hektish. Okay, but that's one form of neder, and maybe that would be a good paradigm for you to sort of conceptualize what all the nadarm are. That you've taken a, an, an item and you've designated it by verbalization as having a different thing. And that's what gives the Torah, gives your words the power to actually affect the object. That's actually what I was trying to say. Did this way I said it now make it clear? Okay. Yeah, it's an amazing thing. So like we say nadarm all the time. We're so used to it, Right. I, I always talk about my grandfather, um, who, when he was teaching me for my bar mitzvah, said, Eden you, which is like a Yiddishism of Edo. He said, Eden you. Uh, I didn't have the benefit of a yeshiva education, he said to me, but he had a tutor. I don't know who this tutor could have been, but before, by the time he was 14, he had learned all of Nezikin, Babasim, Messias, and Hedrin, Makos, everything like that. Nezikin, Brachos, of course, Kachim, Taras. He said, I didn't get to learn too much. I only learned like Nezikin, and some of Kachim, some of Taurus. And okay, Gittin, Kiddushin, of course. Ketubas, obviously. Yavamas and Nadar Mitten Ran. I was 12. I didn't know what Nadar Mitten Ran was. So in uh, 10 years later, maybe, I opened up a Masechas Nadar as we do today. And I see that the layout of the page looks different. There, there looks to be, instead of Tosfos, a Ran on the outside. says on top. And Rashi... Uh, on the inside, as he always is, but the reality is there is no Rashi. That which it says is Rashi is referred to by the other Rishonim as just like Hamachaber. It's a different, it's not actual Rashi. And the way, <coughs> excuse me, Nadarim is classically read is with the Ran, sort of like in the place of Rashi, right, as the main Mefarish. And that's why it's called Nadarim Mitten Ran. Took me 10 years before I realized that. Um, <coughs> as you see, you get to appreciate Rashi's brevity when you read Ran, because Ran is more um, verbose. It's kind of like a Rashi Tosfos hybrid. It it has the elucidation of Rashi, but also has a lot of the expounding on things that you would typically find in Tosfos. It's sort of like a little bit in between. And whether Rashi wrote on the Dharma or not, it seems that he did, because Rashi on the Dharma is quoted elsewhere. But whenever they quote what we see here as the page as Rashi, nobody refers to that as Rashi. <clears throat> and I think I heard Rabari Leibowitz, the great Dafyomi master, mention 
that the base Yosef, um, when he refers to this Rashi over here, he is more critical of Pshat and, and, and uses language that's more critical than he would ever use uh, on Rashi. Almost like you could tell from the way right, he, he addresses the Pshat of Rashi in the Dharam that he doesn't think it's actually Rashi. Anyway, fascinating uh, point over there. Anyway, so in Bizocha, now that, now that we're cracking open the Dharam, to also learn, like my grandfather did, Nadar Mitten Ran, Allah Okay. So, with all that, let's get into it. Right? We see the first page is pretty, uh, pretty short, Al Aleph, and the Mishnah says as follows. That, what, what this means is like this, that there could be a certain formula to make a nether, right? The classic nether would be, this Perrier is, should be usher to me. Oh, okay. So, that's a classic nether, but the kinu in the dharm would be some sort of uh, equivalent way of saying that, that's a kinu is usually like a nickname, right? Or so, <clears throat> some equivalent way of saying, getting the point across, it doesn't have to be like a very specific formula. This isn't, um, this isn't Harry Potter spells, right? Where you have to say, you can't say Lungardum Liviosa, it has to be Lungardum Liviosa, you understand? Or whatever that phrase is, right? This is not that specific, it's just whatever gets the point across. Okay, so kol kinu yinadarim kinadarim. That's with neder vecharamim kecharamim, and this would be true not only of classic neder, but also charamim. Acherim is not a charamim. Our designation of hakdesh. Okay, it's a form of neder where you're designating a hakdesh. Ushvuas kishvuas. The Gemara will discuss what the difference is between a shvua and a neder, but we've already touched upon it. Um, that a shvua is when you obligate yourself to something, not Designate an object as something, a gava versus chefta. Unaziris kinaziris, and it's interesting. Unaziris is also a form of nadir, nader. After all, this is one that you're familiar with. This used to be a dafiomi coincidence. Last cycle, this came out in the parsha of nazir. But okay, so they get one, and we get like a thousand. We, I think we, I think we're more in sync this cycle. Okay, um, and that is a form of nader, right? After all. Or maybe though you say that that's a form of shvua or form like of a neder, where the person obligates himself to be to, to take on the nehugim of nizirus. So there again, that language doesn't have to be a precise formula, but whatever gets the point across. And the point is that even that, as long as you're getting the point across and you're verbalizing it, is going to have a derisa effect to the effect that you would need hafaras nadarim and all the and you would get right by by. Um, it's punishable by Makas if you violate it, and all, all those dinim that we will get into uh, therein. Okay. Now the Mishnah kind of changes gears and says, and the Gemara will, will address the fact that this is a change of gears, and it gets back into, instead of saying equivalent kind of verbalization, it gets into partial, partial declaration. So now it's not just that you're getting the same point across, you're saying something that may not make a lot of sense, and you're not really explaining yourself very well, but you're explaining yourself enough to actually, uh, to, to have the actual same halachic impact as if you had said it perfectly. And that's what the Mishnah continues to say. I, I, I'm vowed from you, whatever that means. Or I am separating from you. I'm distancing myself from you. Whatever I eat of yours, and then he doesn't say what you're going to do with whatever I eat of yours. So you're saying these like non sequiturs, right? Shanito emlacha, that which I taste of you. That which I taste of you, what? Doesn't say. 
Right? So you're saying these partial ideas, still, says the Mishnah, Aser. Still Aser, right? It, uh, according to Hilchos Nadarim. Or Menude Anilecha. I am Menuda to you. So that one is a little different. Menuda can be two different things. It either can mean I'm like excommunicated from you or detached. Well, it's hard to say. It could be, it could be not a nether. So that was a bridge too far for Rabbi Kiva to cross. On that term, Rabbi Kiva says in the Mishnah, what chochech means is unclear. But in one way or another, as the article says, he struggled with this. He didn't want to be machmer menuda because that was too ambiguous. Right? So, in other words, <coughs> it's one thing, right, as we turn to Bezim and Bez, it's one thing to um, say something in a colloquial way, to say it in like a Lushan Kinoi kind of way, okay, and even to say something in a partial way. But now that you're saying something ambiguous, so now you even have another possible interpretation. You're going to say that that also is binding? So that Rabbi Kiva wasn't sure. He had a tough time with that, says the Mishnah. How, how often do you see that in Shas? I don't know if there's any other place where it'd say, Rabbi Kiva, yachochich b'zeh, So this is the one thing that Rabbi Kiva, it could be that there is, but I'm not aware of it, that Rabbi Kiva struggled with that last one of the Lashon Menuda because it's in fact ambiguous, more than just partial. Okay. So now we get to the Gemara in Beis and Beis. The Gemara says, Kol kinuye nedarim kinedarim. Okay. That is, in fact, a quotation of the beginning of our Mishnah, right? That all the sort of, right, colloquial ways of saying the Nadarm will have the same halachic impact as the actual classical formulation of the Nadarm. Okay. So the Gemara asks now an interesting question. Ma'ishna gabi nazir. What does this question mean? As follows. If you, so this is the beginning of Masechah Nadarm, but if you look at the beginning of Masechah Nazir, the, it, it starts almost the same way. It says, all kinuye nazir can nazir. Okay, what's the difference, however? The difference is that in our Mishnah, it says all of these colloquialisms are going to have a lachic impact. Nadarim ke nadarim, charam ke charam, shvuas ke shvuas, naziris ke naziris, right? And it mentions naziris, and it mentions charamim and shvuas as well. Whereas in contrast, in naziris, it doesn't mention charamim, shvuas, and nadarim. It only mentions naziris. So we're asking a question now in the Gemara, and the rest of the daf really is all about the Mishnah style. What is the style of the structure of the Mishnah? That's going to be the rest of today's daf. And basically what it's asking is, why, okay, if you're the editor, why would you, by calling the Dharm, just leave, just write, uh, call Naziris rather, just write Naziris, right, uh, in Masechus Nazir, and not mention Nadarim, Shavuos, and Charamim, whereas here you have the exhaustive list. What's the difference? So I actually, Barry, <coughs> could have easily said the difference. Like if I was there, I would have said, well, Nizar, really, Naziris is a subcategory. It's a type of a nether. So here we're talking about all the types of Nadarm, right? Because it's Nadarm. This is like the core of every type of nether. This is the hub, right? If you will. Whereas Naziris is just a subtype. And therefore, when you're talking about the subtype where the subject is in Masechus Nazir, so why would you expand it to everything else. You, you're, then you're localized, right? To just whatever pertains to Naziris. I, I imagine that that's basically the answer, but we're going to say it in the Gemara language here as follows. So the Gemara asks, right? Why in Masechus Nazir, when we started, we, on, we don't mention everything else. We only mention Nazir, not Shavuos and Nadarim. And why over here, by Nadarim, we mention it, all the Nadarim and, and Naziris and Shavuos and Haramos. 
So my answer is Mishum the Neder Shvua Ksivi Gabi Hadadi. Because when you have the halachas of Neder Shvua in the Pasuk, right, it starts with in the same Pasuk, right? Uh, right, Parakalam and Pasuk Gimel, Ishki Dor Neder Lahashem, O Ishava Shvua. Right, so that Pasuk <coughs> mentions kind of Nadarim and Shvuas in one breath. Oh. So if you only mention Nazir, when it mentions the vow of the Nazir, it doesn't mention Nadarim and Shvuas. But once you say Neder, now you've opened up, right, a whole can of worms. Because Neder and Shvua already goes together. Once you bring in in Shvua, now, now the floodgates are open. Now you're going to mention Naziris and Charamas as well. That's the answer of the Gemara. So it says, because they appear together in the Pasuk, so now we see this idea of the equivalent, right, Kinuyim, Tanei Tartin, teaches you by those two, as we said, once you're already um, learning the Nadarim and the Shvuas, you're going to open the floodgates and learn the same uh, would apply to all of them, okay? Now the Gemara says, okay, so once we're going there and we're saying that it's because Shvua and Neder are mentioned together. Okay, so then why does do we interrupt with Haramim? That's the question. Because the pasuk says Ishki Nidor Neder or Yishava Shvua. So you would think that our, the structure of our Mishnah would be Kol Neder and then Shvuas Kishvuas. But our Mishnah says Kol Neder and then it says Haramim, sticks it in there, and then Shvuas. So if you're sensitive to the order of the pasuk. Why are you sticking haramim in between neder and shvuah? If those two are always rolling off the tongue together, why do we have this intruder of haramim stuck between them? Asks the Gemara. So the Gemara says, "I did a ton of darim, the mitzvah There it is. You know, if you're a brisker, you apply chefzagavah to every part of, of Torah. But this is the one part where the Gemara itself gives you the classical OG chefzagavah. It says, "I did a ton of darim, the mitzvah When the darim, you're making something. That an object, right, a chefza, usher to you. Tananami charamim de mitzvah chefza leh, and that's true of hektish also, right? How does hektish work? You take an object and you makdish it. Ah, so that's why conceptually, right, charamim and adarim are the same because they're both a chefza, where you're taking an object and you're changing its status by your verbalization. La fuke shvua says the Gemara. In contrast to shvua, the kaaser nafsheim in chefza. That's a chefza. Gavra, that's a gavra thing, where you are ushering yourself from that object. The ka'asr nafsheim in chefza. And therefore, that's what we call classically gavra. And that is why we stick haramim with the neder, because those two are conceptually chefza, and then mention shvua, which is conceptually gavra. So now eight lines down, we, follow, we, we, we go to another difficulty in the structure in the Mishnah. Not so difficult, but but we, we analyze it nonetheless, as follows. Pazach b'chinuim. So now, the Tana starts talking about, talking about chinuim, right? It says, kol chinuim adarim. And it starts saying that all, um, right, all equivalent terms where you're getting the point across, right? That's what the mission says, right? That if you get, you have equivalent terms, that that would work also. Fine. It says that now, however, right? Because kol chinuim adarim, that's the topic of our mission. Well, guess what? Says the Gemara. The, the Mishnah acts like it's going to talk about what equivalent term sounds like, but then says the Gemara, umifarish yados. In other words, what would be the typical structure? It would be any equivalent terms, 
should work, and then it should give examples of, equ- of said equivalent terms. That's how the Mishnah should be structured. And yet, the Mishnah instead says any equivalent terms com- count as the actual uh, term themselves. And then, instead of giving examples of that, it gives examples of partial terms, what we call yados. Okay? And so that <coughs> is weird, because you're stating, a, you're stating an idea, and then you're giving examples for a different idea. Right? The Mishnah didn't give you examples of, of kinuyim, right? Of colloquial terms. It gave you examples of, of impartial terms. So what kind of business is this? How is this, what, how do you explain this structure? That it tells you the halacha of, of colloquial terms and then gives you examples of, of partial terms. That's what the Gemara is asking here. Right? It says, pasach bekinuyim. It's telling you that's going to tell you colloquial terms. In fact, that is the first three words of our Mishnah. And then the example it gives is the partials. Etc. All those cases are not colloquial terms. Those are just partial terms. Visu. And by the way, in addition to that, Yados inche. You know, if you're going to say Yados, then it left it out. Forgot. It left out the Halacha. In other words, the way the Mishnah could have been structured would have been any colloquial terms count, and then give example of colloquial terms, and then state the halacha. Kol yados also counts, and then state the, the yados. So it feels like a piece of the mission is missing, that it missed that middle part where you would explain examples of kinuyim, and then state the halacha of yados. Both of those are missing. Says the Gemara, you know, the Tana did deal with those partial yados declarations, yeah, you think? Something's missing. It sure is. And this is what it should have said. The Mishnah should have started by explaining kinuye and yados and saying that those are the examples and then giving examples of both. But, okay, so that explains why it didn't state the halacha because that part was missing. But what about the fact that it didn't give examples of kinuye and nadarim? So the, the Gemara persists. Belifresh kinuye and beresha. Wait a minute. We said, because we're going to get to the examples Kinuyim Barry, but we started with Yados. So now we have a different question. Now we have just a question of stylistic order of things, right? In other words, we're not missing anything, but we're not happy with the order. It should have been Kol Kinuyim, that any type of colloquialisms would work as a netter, and any type of partial declaration would also work as a netter. Those are the statements of the, what the din is, what the halacha is. And then give examples in the order that the din was presented. So, examples of kinuim first, and then examples of yados second. Just like the halacha of kinuim was mentioned first, and then the halachas of yados was mentioned second. However, that's not what we do. We say kol kinuim, then we say kol yados, and then the first example we give is yados. So we're, we're giving the examples in the backwards order that we stated the din. Do we ever do that? Yes, we do, says the Gemara. So first the Gemara asks the question, first kinuim beresha, um, just like we stated the din of Kinuim first, we should give the examples of Kinuim first. Says the Gemara, no. In fact, that second halacha that we mentioned is the one that we're going to give examples to first. You ever see that? Yeah. How so? Like this. You may have heard of this Mishnah before. Remember we learned Mesech Shabbos? And remember we say this every Friday? Right? <coughs> so, how do you start? Ain madlikin. So you should have already said that to me, Barry. I'm disgusted that you didn't say anything. Right, of course. Ain madlikin, ain madlikin. 
This is the common Mishnah structure. Why? I don't know. But you say the first din, you say the second din, and you give examples of the second din first. That happens all the time. It happens also in another Mishnah. Also in Masech Shabbos. Right on Memzayin. Right, Ein Tom Din, and then we start again with the second din first, right, in terms of the giving the examples. But me Isha Yotza, but me Eina Yotza, all over Masechah Shabbos, right? The, the Hotza, right? This is on Nunzain, right? What can a woman go out with and what can she not go out with? Lo Tesa Isha. Let me first tell you what she can't go out with. Uh, all right. I mean, I could have said, well, those have a better ex- uh, explanation because maybe the point, <laughs> of saying, what can you do and what you cannot do, right? It's like when you have an in-house attorney, right? He, he always wants to tell you, like, what you can't do, right? And just assume that everything else you can do. So these are all examples of what you can't so What can you do and what you cannot do? Well, the things that you can do are kind of, like, infinite. You could sit. You could stand. You could play chess, maybe. You could learn, right? Rishonim, you could learn Achronim, you could learn Tanakh. Like, what are we going to list all the things you can do? So I think it's a little bit... In, in the Halacha Shabbos, of course you're going to start with what you can't do because that's not what the Halacha is, so to speak, right? Okay. But be that as it may, the structure has precedence, okay? So now we say, okay. So now the Gemara says, wait a minute. Is that always how a mission is structured? Is there never an example where you say the din and then that din that you say is the first thing that you give the examples of? Of course there is. After all, Vatnan, we learned in the Mishnah of Basra, Yesh Nochlin and Manchilin. You know, there's a parak called Yesh Nochlin. It's, it's named for this Mishnah. Yesh Nochlin and Manchilin. You can inherit, and also you can be the beneficiary, and, 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 uh, and bequeath to, right? You can inherit, be the beneficiary, or the giver of an inheritance. Nochlin Velo Manchilin. Those who do inherit, but can't bequeath to others. Ve'elu Nochlin Manchilin. It gives the Nochlin Manchilin, which is the, Din, that's mentioned first in the Mishnah, it gives examples of that first. Or another example. Barry, if this is not familiar to you, I don't know what to do. Because we just finished Masechus Yavamas not too long ago. And we say those, those who are permitted to their husbands, but for, permitted to Yavamim. Or permitted to the Yavam, but also to their husbands. And then in that context, right? it starts with giving examples of the first halacha. Mutar Slavalayim Reslusiv Mehem. Do you remember how that could be? Uh, if you have this is a, a cute case, right? You have a two Kohanim, right? Mutar uh, Two Kohanim, brothers. Okay? The brother who got originally married is a Kohen Hedyot. And then he dies childless. But his brother was the Kohen Gadol. The Kohen Gadol is going to be Usr to the Yavama, right? Because she is not a Basula. Because the Kohen Gadol can't marry an Almana. Okay, so, okay, anyways, that was Yavama. So the point is, it could be a case where it's mutter lebaaleim ba'asar liyav mehem. So that's a, that would work. Okay, another example. Yesh te'unas shem levona. This is in Menachos. Some Menachos get oil and levona, right? The spices is part of it. Shem and velo levona, some only get oil. Ve'el te'unas shem levona. Again, the, min, the Mishnah structure there is you state the din, and then you give the examples in the order that you stated the din. A fourth example, yesh te'unos hagashav ain't te'unos tenufa. Hagashav is when you bring, right, again, this is menachos. The halacha of menachos, we have to learn all of menachos, menachos. Bringing it near to the mizbeach is part of the procedure. Also, tenufa, waving is part of the procedure. But some only require one and not the other, right? 
And so some only have Hagasha and not Tanufa. Some have Tanufa, Velo Hagasha. And then it starts with Ve'elu Te'unos, right? Um, Hagasha. And it starts with which require Hagasha again in the order that the dinim were presented. A fifth uh, example, Bechoros. Yesh Bechor L'Nachla Ve'ein Bechor L'Kohen. Right? Um, you can have a Bechor, right? And he can, uh, he can be firstborn, right, for a nachla, but not for what? What we call pidyon, right? For, for you have a pidyon aben, right? So we know like a man's firstborn son gets a bechora, right? He gets the double portion. When it comes to pidyon aben, that's the woman's first child. So let's say a woman comes into a marriage and she has other kids, right? So her, and she marries a coin. Or, or, I'm sorry, she comes into a marriage and she has other kids. And then she has a child with a new husband. Now, that child is not going to get a pigeon on a bench. She already had, right, a children. But he will be that man's, assuming it's his first marriage, let's say, it's that man's firstborn. He's going to get, uh, uh, he's going to get Pishnaim. I don't even think it needs necessarily to be his first marriage. You have multiple Bechoros, can you? Or, or maybe it's just one. I don't remember. See, we have to learn Bechoros. But the point is that the man's firstborn child certainly gets Pishnaim. Right, and, they're, and and if he's married a woman that's already has children from previous marriage, then even and then they, they don't get pishnaim, right? And they're not going to get a pidyon aben either. But this new child is going to get pishnaim, even though he doesn't have a pidyon aben. Okay, so that's what the Mishnah Bechor says: and be that as it may, the order of the Gemara, the examples, is the same as the order that the dinim were, were uh, presented in the Mishnah. Now the Gemara is going to explain. Why is it that sometimes you do go according to the order that the dinim were explained and sometimes not? So the Gemara says, In those instances, Avshalei means there are many, many examples. Whenever there's many examples, this is what the Gemara wants to contend. When you have a Mishnah with many examples, So like, for example, right? When you have tons of examples, like in, right? Tons of examples, and you're mentioning many, many examples, that's when you have to go in order, otherwise it's un- unwieldy. But when you only have two, now I think I gave you a better reason, right? In all the Mishnahis in, in Shabbos that we quoted, we had just two, so what the Gemara is saying, it's just two options. So when it's two options, you'll say the Din 1, Din 2, and then examples for Din 2, and then examples for Din 1. But anytime you have like five Dinim, you'll go in the order of the Dinim that, as they were presented when you're giving examples. Okay, I thought I gave a better reason for that, but the Gemara is just saying like a numbers game. Two versus more than that. Okay, but says the Gemara, You know, in that particular case, we have an outlier. What can a behema go out with? It's only two dinim. It's a zero-sum game, either one or the other. And the first example is, in fact, an example of the first din. So how does, so what gives? So says the Gemara, as we arrive at Gimel Medalaf, El Lav Dafka, Zimim Farshu, the Pasuk Loresha, Zimim Hudasalak Mefarish Beresha. So now the Gemara says, maybe it's Lav Dafka. Um, maybe sometimes you just do it in the order of the dinim and sometimes you do it out of order. Okay, so when we resume tomorrow, we'll see more potential uh, explanations for this and I look forward to seeing you, Bezrat Hashem, tomorrow.